TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at a Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios. Halfway home on this Thursday evening with you. 404 741 0929, that is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to follow the show, our Twitter pages, at JMCH316, at the D. Lewis for real. Um, Braves are up right now, so they're up now 7-3, to three, I believe it is. Yeah, 7-3. to three. Um Still have not hit a home run, uh, kind of surprising, uh, especially considering that Freeland was a guy who had given up a bunch of home runs, I think 12 homers in like 70-something innings. But uh, he's been knocked out of the game uh, only after four and, uh, a, a third inning. Uh, Smith, Smith Charver did get through five innings. So five innings, six hits, three runs, five strikeouts, a walk, and two home runs given up. So, um, again, you know, let's see if he comes out for the sixth inning or not. Would be nice for him to come out for the sixth inning. Four-run lead. If he gets into some trouble, okay, then we can look at, you know, trying to, you know, bring him out. But still, um, you know, I'd let him come out and pitch the sixth. Like, they need they need to kind of rest their bullpen as much as they can, right? I mean, they they need to give their bullpen a little bit of a break uh, with uh, with all of this. So, we'll see what, uh, what happens. But um, so, are there any concerns about Austin Riley? Right now, you know, he's one of the guys, one of the few guys that really has not gotten things cranked up and going just yet. If you project Austin Riley's numbers out for the season, okay, you're looking at um, 26 homers, 81 RBI, and 92, sorry, 93 runs scored. 26 homers, 81 RBI, 93 runs scored based upon the first 68 games that the Braves have played. Right now, currently, as he's hitting third in the lineup, he's at uh, 0 and 3 or 0 for 3 uh tonight. Uh now 262 on the year, four uh sorry, 326 uh on-base percentage with a 434 on-base. Now, his numbers aren't terrible. They're not terrible. He's not been very good in his last 6 games, hitting uh 091 in his last 6. Two for his last 22, and really now with tonight, he's two for his last 25. So that's, you know, an 080 mark on it. But, you know, look, 26 homers, 81 RBI, 93 runs scored. If he projects out to that kind of season, 
I'm not saying that that's a good year based upon what we've seen out of Austin Riley, but certainly probably better than most third basemen in the game, right? I mean, certainly that's a pretty – I mean, if that's his down year, 26, 81, 265 with 93 runs scored, wouldn't you take that? And look, here's the thing. Hitting where he hits, he's got all kinds of opportunity to drive in runs and score runs. He's hitting in the middle of the order. He's got Ronnie or Ozzy or guys on base in front of him, right, or Olsen on base in front of him. He's got guys that are on base all the time. So you get opportunities to drive in runs. And then when he gets himself on base, he's got all the sluggers behind him, the Murphys and the Darnos and the Ozunas and, you know, Ozzy at times behind him. Michael Harris, you know, Rosario. So, you know, again, is it with Austin Riley, is it that he benefits from the team that he plays for? Because he's, you know, 82 RBI, 93 runs scored is his pace. Does he benefit from the team that he plays with? Or, you know, does he take advantage of his opportunities? I mean, I'm not really sure which one is it. Because, again, he's getting opportunities to drive in runs with where he hits in the lineup and the guys that are in front of him. He gets an opportunity to score runs because when he does get on base, you got mashers all up and down the lineup behind him. So maybe, I mean, maybe he's a, you know, a really good, you know, player at taking advantage of the situation that is presented to him, that he capitalizes, even though it feels like, in all honesty, that he hasn't really gotten cranked up and going. It doesn't feel like that he's, you know, had this, you know, big-time season or, you know, again, he's not playing like Ronnie. I mean, he's not an MVP candidate or anything like that. And, you know, I think we expect more out of Austin Ronnie. Maybe that's maybe that's not fair. I mean, maybe, you know, from a, a standpoint of, you know, what Austin Riley is, maybe that's unfair to, to t- think what, you know, what he's got to be. You know, again, the last two seasons combined, he's had 71 homers and 201, sorry, 200 RBI. Hit 38 homers with 93 driven in last year, scored 90 runs. The year before, when he had that big season, 160 games played to lead the league, 33 homers, 107 RBI, hit 303, was an all-star, um, silver slugger, uh, finished seventh in the MVP voting. He actually finished sixth in the MVP voting this, uh, this past season, last year. But it feels like he's not gotten off to a big-time start. But yet, when you look at his numbers, you know, they're going to project out pretty good. I mean, if his worst, if if he has a, a, a blip season where you hit 25 homers or more, drive in over 80 runs, and score over 90 runs, which, by the way, he's on pace to have his career high in runs scored. Now, think about that. For a guy who's really not gotten off, and, you know, his batting average has gone down the last three years from 303 to 273 last year to 265 this year. On base has gone down three consecutive years. His slugging has gone way down, where he was in the 530 range the last two years. He's only 439 this year. And his OPS was 898 a couple of years ago, 878 last year, only at 768 this year. But, again, and maybe, maybe, we, have, maybe we have really high expectations. Again, 26 homers, 81 runs, 93 scored. That's not a bad year for a third baseman. 
especially in today's game. I mean, I don't know how many great third basemen that there are nowadays, but it's not a bad season. I, I, I would take 265 with 26 homers and 80-some RBI all day long because, again, when you look at the lineup that is around him, he's got star power everywhere. And, and, one guy, and, and he's a guy that doesn't have to carry. Now, can he? Yeah. We've seen him at times carry the lineup. But still, it isn't like he has to carry the lineup. I think that's what it is, J.C., hits-wise. I think, um, I think because he's not getting the hits, I think he maybe makes it look like he's not having. But if you look uh, to your point, if you look at his total, just overall stat line, he's having a, a, a good season. Yeah, and I think he takes advantage of the, and I don't mean that in a bad way, right. but I think he, I think he benefits from, I think he benefits from the idea of where he hits in the lineup, where he's got guys around him mm-hmm. that either can drive him in or can score lots of runs in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, you know, again, now the big thing about Riley has been his runners in scoring position number this year. You know what he's hitting with runners in scoring position before tonight. What was it before tonight? 140. And Riley's 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position tonight. Tonight. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's um that makes him eight for eight for fifty-nine with runners in scoring position. So again, he hasn't taken advantage, but but even again, think he's had seventy-six plate appearances with runners in scoring position. 76 plate appearances. So right now he's got a total of, what's his total plate appearances uh, here? He's got 298 plate appearances. 76 have come of, of those with runners in scoring position. But get your calculator back out. Let's get your calculator back out. Tell me what the number 76 divided by 298 is. 76 divided by 298. Uh, 0.255. Okay, so 26%. So basically one out of every four times he comes up with guys in scoring position. Mm-hmm. Not on base, but guys in scoring position. Every four at-bats, he's getting one at-bat with guys in scoring position. Yeah. Right? Now, maybe he hasn't taken advantage of that because you would think that a guy that, that has that kind of opportunity should be driving in more than 80-something runs. It's it's interesting to see, but I mean, again, you know, the 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 cursory numbers, right? The just when you look at home run run scoring totals, uh, again, he's on track for his highest run scoring season of his career. You know, eighty RBI. I mean, if you're twenty six homers and eighty one, eighty two RBI, that's not a bad season. That's not that bad. Of, and ninety three runs scored to go yeah. along with it. But you know, again, I think he really benefits from the team that he has around him. And and even with him not scoring, not not uh, knocking in runners uh, in scoring position, even hitting 140 with runners in scoring position, that's a situation where, again, he himself is not taking advantage of the situation, but that lineup is so good around him. There's so many guys in that lineup, and we talk about the 7-8-9 hitters and stuff like that. Well, guess what? When those 7-8-9 hitters are producing – it's only Ronnie and you know Olsen, by and large, that are in front of Riley. So again, you you have guys that are on base, and you have guys that are in scoring position, you know, where he can clean up some of that mess. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, again, I, 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 it's sort of a quandary about is he having a good year because of the guys around him or is he just kind of having a, a good year? And I know it's not been the same year, you know, relatively speaking, that he's had over the last couple of years, but it's also not been an awful year. It's not like he's on pace to drive in 45 runs and hit 140. You know, Marcelo Zuna was a guy that would hit all these solo home runs and he couldn't drive in any runs and he was hitting 200. You know, what did he have last year? 20 homers, but he had 56 RBI and hit like 220. Like, that's not, that's not producing. But you look at Riley's surface numbers, they're good. You dive a little bit deeper in and you think to yourself, eh, okay, is, is he benefiting in some ways with uh, the guys that are around him? And not that there's a problem, it's just it, it kind of is what it is when all is said and done. All right, uh, that's life coming up next. Um, oh, how about there? I got a great story for Day Day about John Amos. You know who John Amos is? Yeah, okay. Mr. McDowell. Yes. Got a great story about all of that for, for Day Day up next. Check me in the Kia Studios. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at it on the John Chuckery Show. 921, live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers 
Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 the game at JMCH316 on Twitter. He's at DD Lewis for real on Twitter. How about this story, Day Day? So, John Amos. Um, yeah, good times. Yep, yep. Uh, what was his character's name? Uh, Mr. Uh, on Good Times, yeah. James. On Good J- Times. Yeah, James. Mr. So, McDowell's in, uh, yes. in uh, Coming to America. Yep. So, and, uh, there were reports last week that he had been hospitalized and he was the victim of elder abuse while he was hospitalized in ICU where he was said to be fighting for his life. Yeah, I saw that headline and didn't get a chance to open it. So, okay, that I didn't know all that was being said. Okay. okay. So, reports of the Good Times star, uh, the hospitaliz- uh, hospitalization and abuse, came from his daughter, Shannon Amos. Right. And she started a GoFundMe page claiming her father needed financial help to be cared for properly and bring the perpetrators of elder abuse to justice. Okay? Well, he, he has now refuted those claims. Quote, in a letter to his fans, quote, To all of my fans, I want you to know that I am doing well. I am not in ICU, nor was I ever fighting for my life. First, I want the GoFundMe campaign about me to stop immediately and the funds subsequently returned to those who made donations. My son and I will reveal more information at the appropriate time. Mm-mm. Fans became concerned about the veteran actor on Friday, June 9th, after Shannon um, shared an unsettling Instagram post about her father's alleged condition. And she said in the in the caption, quote, on May 14th, I, I would receive a distressing call from my dad sharing that he was hospitalized in Memphis, Tennessee, in immense pain. Despite being out of the country, I arranged to help, uh, uh, sorry, I arranged for help to reach him. ICU revealed his life hanging by a thread. And then she added, the past two weeks shattered our world. My dad, the victim of elder abuse and financial exploitation, we're collaborating with the Colorado Bureau of Investigators and local authorities determined to bring the perpetrators to justice, legal assistance is crucial to ensure their prosecution and protect my father's future, his home, strip bare, necessities, uh, a, a safe space for his return. <laughs> and then Sh- Shannon later shared a link to a GoFundMe page that raised $12,676. Now, look, I-, I know John Amos probably didn't make the kind of money that some people... But John Amos did a lot of stuff. Yeah, he did. I, he mean, in, I mean, I don't think he'd be rubbing two nickels together. No. I would think he'd have a lot of money. Yeah. But how crazy is that that his daughter I know. putting out this story and then he's got to go out there and refute it with his son? That's sad. It must be. It's obviously there's something going on within the family and 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 some funds. And she's uh, that's her way of uh, trying to make something happen. And again, I don't know anything about his kids. I don't. I don't know who Shannon Adam or Shannon, Shannon Amos is. I don't know who she is. I think. I think it said she's an actress. Um, but again, he was in a lot of successful TV shows. I, I know people aren't paid the same way as what they had before. But again, he would have certainly would have certainly made some money in all of this. But 
crazy, isn't it? I mean, that that's that's, that's a wild bananas, story. Yeah. So, all right. Do you remember a few years ago where a, a a Starbucks regional manager in Philadelphia who alleged that she and other white employees were unfairly punished after the arrests of two black men at a Philadelphia Starbucks in 2018. Yes. They were remember that whole situation. Yeah, the two guys sitting down. Right, and, exactly. Yeah, and yep. they were and she yep. said and they and they supposedly said they were hassled and all this kind of stuff. Yes. And and the manager was, you know, fired subsequently and all this kind of stuff. Yep. Okay. Well, Shannon Phillips is that um is that uh, former manager. She just won $600,000 in compensatory damages and $25 million in punitive damages on Monday after a jury in New Jersey found that race was a determinant factor in Phillips' firing in violation of federal and state anti-discrimination. In April of 2018, a Philadelphia store manager called the police on two black men who were sitting in the coffee shop without ordering anything. Phillips, then the regional manager of operations in Philly, South New Jersey, and elsewhere, was not involved with the rest. However, she said she was ordered to put a white manager who also wasn't involved on administrative leave for reasons she knew were false, according to her lawsuit. Phillips said she was fired less than a month later after objecting to the manager being placed on leave amid the uproar, according to the lawsuit. The company's rationale for suspending the district manager who was not responsible for the store where the arrest took place was an allegation that black store managers were being paid less than white managers, according to the lawsuit. Phillips said that the argument made no sense since district managers had no input employees in, into employees' salaries. And she won $25 million in all of that. Wow. I, look, I, you know, again, I give the jury credit for, for all of that. That, you know, if they determine that race was a factor in all of this, yeah. then, again, you can't do that. Yeah. And an email to the Associated Press, um, Phillip's attorney, uh, I get, what's what's the attorney's name here? Um, let me see what the what the attorney's name is. It's something, uh, Laura, Laura, Laura Matachi or something like that, whatever it is. Um uh, in an email to Matachi confirmed the award, uh, the award amount and said the judge will consider rewarding back pay and future pay as well as attorney's fees. Uh, Matachi told the New York, uh, New Jersey Law Journal that she will seek about $3 million for lost pay and roughly $1 million on her fee application. Wow. Hey, man. I mean, go woke, go broke, right? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Uh, some birthday shout-outs real quick. Jim Belushi, Helen Hunt, Courtney Cox, Wade Boggs, Ice Cube. Wade Boggs. Yeah, Ice Cube today. Cube. Um, Harry Nilsson. Okay. And Waylon Jennings. Are you a country music fan at all, Day Day? Um, there's some stuff that I've liked. I haven't really listened to much of it mm-hmm. lately, but um, are you an old school country music yeah. fan? Or uh, how there were some old. It? Yeah, I'd about to say it'd probably be like some of the mid mid to late nineties. Okay. Country. Okay. Yeah. So that's so that's not old school. So. Yeah, that's pretty much old yeah, school, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, for, for you that's old school. I'm I, again. I'm a huge Waylon Jennings fan. Gotcha. I love I love Luke and Bach, Texas and. Uh, mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Yeah. And, 
Ramblin' Man. I mean, yeah. I, I love Waylon wasn't, Jennings. Uh, what wasn't uh, Mama Don't Let Your Your Baby Grow Up to Be That's Cowboys? Wasn't that Nelson. in a, But yeah. wasn't that in a movie? Didn't he perform? Wasn't that on a soundtrack too? Um, was that in Electric Cowboy? Which one was the was song? Was it the one with the? Uh, it wasn't in Urban Cowboy. What, no, what no, was no, the no, one not with? Urban Cowboy. Electric Cowboy with Robert Redford riding the horse around. Maybe it was in, in that the, one. Yeah. In the streets of Las Vegas. In, yeah. In, Full gimmick where he was all lit up, <laughs> and um, was it uh, was it Barbara Streisand? No, it wasn't Barbara Streisand. I forget who the female lead, but it was called Electric Cowboy. Yeah, that he was in because Urban Cowboy was the one with John Travolta, John Travolta and yeah. Deborah Winger. Yeah, 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 that was that was. Sissy um, Spacek was in that one too, right? Wasn't she? Wasn't Sissy Spacek? No, it wasn't Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek and John Travolta were in Carrie. Carrie. Yeah, yeah. she was Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. Um, that is love. Look what you've done to me on the soundtrack of, of, of that uh, one. Urban yeah, Cowboy. yeah, that's what so, that one was. Yeah. Uh, but I love Waylon Jennings. Really old school. I mean, he was one of the outlaw. He was one of the original outlaws. Jerry Jeff Walker and guys yeah. like that. That's my kind of country. Gotcha. Like that's Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Jerry Jeff. Uh, uh, Jerry Jeff. I mean, um, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, gosh, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry Jeff. Jerry Jeff Walker. Okay. Um, that's. That old school kind of country is that that outlaw yeah. country. That's what I like. Okay. All right. So with that, um, you know, again, we said Helen Hunt, Courtney Cox, and all that. Mm-hmm. Tonight's top ten list: top ten funniest women of all time. Day Day, the floor is yours. All right. So I got some old old schools on here. Uh-huh. I'll start off with them: Joan Rivers, okay, Lily Tomlin, Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett. Those are my all my OGs. So, okay. So let me say because uh-huh. I've I've had this controversial opinion for a long time now. On which one? Carol Burnett. Really? Uh, yeah, so they. So did you? Ever, you probably weren't old enough to see the Carol Burnett. Yeah, show. the Carol Burnett show. That's okay. all. That's all I really remember her. From. Okay. All right. Um, Carol Burnett was the least funny person on that show. Yeah. The what was the guy's name? Uh, well, Harvey Corman and Tim Conway. Yeah. But even Vicky Lawrence was funny. Yeah, than she Carol was. Burnett. She was. Vicky yeah. Lawrence was fantastic yeah. uh, on that show. But she was the least funny person on that show. But she gets all the credit for being how funny well, she is. Well, because it was her show. Yeah, and pulling your ear and all yeah. that good stuff. I mean, that she yeah. did. So. <laughs> all right, so those are my OGs. Um, then I've got Whoopi Goldberg. Um, Ellen DeGeneres earlier hey, on. Okay. when she Early on. Like, when she had her, her action. <sighs> yeah, I, well, come on. All right, uh, yeah. Maya Rudolph, I think she's pretty good. I think, I think Maya Rudolph, I, she, she's on my honorable mention list. Yeah. Um, the comedian Adele Givens, I'm not sure if you're familiar with no, her. Uh-uh. Uh, and then Melissa McCarthy and Julia Dreyfus. Okay, I yeah. think Melissa McCarthy is completely unfunny. <laughs> I think she's one of the least funny people. Her movies are absolutely dreadful. They when she, I mean, she had she had a good part in Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids, but she was didn't hilarious. make Bridesmaids. I mean, Bridesmaids was that collaborative cast uh, right. because again, I've my so my two. My two honorable mentions uh-huh. are Maya Rudolph okay. and Cicely Strong. Okay. Um, Cicely Strong also is very attractive, but that's another story for the day. Okay? <laughs> um, all right, here's my list. Okay. Jane Lynch okay. is on my list. Do you, do you, mem- do you remember yes. her? Yep. She was fantastic in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yes. She's fantastic in that in that movie. Very funny woman. She, um, I like, she's, yeah. She, she was on uh, that Glee or whatever it was. Yeah, that, but she, yeah, she plays that, her, that style that she has. Like, oh, yeah. everything she's in, like, it's very, um. It's very sarcastic. Like, yeah. I, I love her sarcasm. Yeah. I, I love her sarcastic yeah. kind of humor. Yeah. But she's fantastic in, in yes. 40-Year-Old Virgin. Um, I've got Julie, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Right. Yep. She's actually much better now than when she As was she's on, older than well, when yeah, yeah, and she, was, she was yeah. a cast member on Saturday Night Live, remember? Yes, yeah, she was. That's where she met her husband was, yeah. with Brad Hall. Um, she was way better as she's gotten older. Yeah, um, she is. Um, 
Kristen Wiig, who was the star of Bridesmaids. She was oh, the, the, the blonde. Yes. The, be- yeah. the, the main character. I, I think yeah. Kristen Wiig is very funny. See, um, I haven't really seen her in anything else. That's well, unfortunately, thing... that Ghostbusters movie. Um, oh, that's right. She sure was. Yeah. She sure um, was. I'll tell you who was very funny on Saturday Night Live. I, I really like that Kate McKinnon when she plays Hillary Clinton and some of the characters. Now, she was in that Ghostbusters movie as yeah, well. She yeah. was like the, the scientist with the glasses right. on. She was the, uh, yeah, she was. Like the, like the, the Harold the Ramis yeah, character. She was, yeah, right? exactly. Uh, but I think she's very funny. I've got Lucille Ball on my list as well. Okay. Um, I go really old school here, but um, Wanda Sykes, I think, is very funny. Wanda Sykes? She, she's hit or miss for me. Okay, I can understand yeah, that. she's hit or miss uh, for again, me. Again, I'll tell you, you know, like the Tiffany Haddish not I don't. Funny. Yeah, Tiffany's overboard. Yeah, yeah. to I'm, me, just, she's overboard. Just tiring. Yeah. Um, all right, Gilda Radner, old school. Old school. Yeah. You know what? I almost funny. put her on there. Yeah. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Gene Wilder. Um, yeah. Madeline Kahn is very funny. Young Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. I mean, she's hilarious in those in those movies. Right. You know, she she in Blazing Saddles. She um, Lily von Stupp. Right. You know, she played that <laughs> that character. Very very funny. All right, then I go old school. Betty White, obviously, yeah, um, on my list. I, I can't believe I forgot about Betty and White. Yeah. I think that this woman is the funniest woman of all time. Funniest woman of all time for me is B. Arthur. Yeah. And I love yeah. that sarcastic humor. Yeah. Maud is one of the best shows yeah. ever done on television. Yeah. I'm telling you, Maud is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I love that show. I mean, forget the Golden Girls. Yeah. Maud is absolutely hilarious. One of the yeah. great theme songs of all time, but an absolutely hilarious show. Yeah. That show was her in her peak prime, um, and she was <laughs> yeah. fantastic in Maud. So yeah. hit us up with your list as well. Uh, when we come back, Will Gray joined us earlier talking some U.S. Open. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Thursday evening with you. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part uh, of the show. Braves are underway right now. U.S. Open is kind of wrapping up here. And uh, one of the great mystery courses, I guess, uh, you know, in uh, in the city of Los Angeles where it's really not visible uh anywhere on the streets or anything like that. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. He is our guy in the know. He uh, oversees golf bet for the PGA Tour, Will Gray, joining us. And uh, you can follow Will on his personal Twitter page, at Will Gray Golf Bet. Will, as always, man, appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And listen, clear up the mystery about what this course is because it is the secretive course, I guess, that, um, that they're playing at the Los Angeles, County, or Los Angeles Country Club. 
Yeah, John, good to be with you as always for these big events. I mean, it's next to the Playboy Mansion, right? So it's, it's right. kind of sticking out. It's sticking out there. Not that hard to find out in La La Land, but uh, it's been interesting to see. You know, I, I enjoy these these tournaments. We've had a few of them at the U.S. Open in recent years. We get to see a new course, and this is one that yes, they had the the Pac-12 Championship there about ten years ago, and yes, they had a Walker Cup back in 2017. But this is really the first time that these pros are, are able to get their hands on this course. And so far, the scores are certainly much lower than we expected. But I think that that could change by the time we get to the weekend. So help me understand, do, can, I mean, because this is an ultra-private club. Can guys who are going to play in this event play this course at, you know, at any time or only the week leading in? Or, I mean, help me understand about what exposure – the guys in this tournament would have had to this course? Uh, I mean, a lot of it depends on, on when you qualify, right? So mm-hmm. with the U.S. Open, they do the, the sectional qualifying where half of the field only qualify for this tournament on June 5th. So they've only known they've been in the field for a handful of days. So they, their practice would have had to happen afterwards. If you're someone like Rory McIlroy or Scotty Scheffler that you're always in the majors, I'm sure, you know, if your agent talks to the head pro and if you want to come by on March 10th, they can probably sneak in on the tee sheet. So, a lot of it, as, as with many things in, in golf and in life, it depends on who you are and who you know. So uh, if you're in the field the entire year, you can probably get in. But a lot of these guys didn't know they had qualified until about a week and a half ago. So, Will, um, you know, with this, we saw Ricky Fowler. Um, I think he had the lowest round ever in U.S. Open history. You know, it, it doesn't feel like where we're looking at the scores of this thing with, you know, Fowler at 8-under, Shoffley at 8-under, uh, Harmon at five under. This doesn't feel like a typical type of U.S. Open where, you know, again, guys have probably, I, I, I'm guessing probably guys have won the U.S. Open at eight under. Oh, for sure. I mean, guys won the U.S. Open at, at even par before as well. So I, I think that, you know, as folks were getting to the course this morning and it was a, there was a little bit of drizzle in the air and kind of the June gloom that, that the, you know, the West Coast is known for, once that settled in and, and the conditions were going to be just a little bit softer than they expected, you figured the low scores were on the horizon. The rest of the forecast for the rest of the week seems pretty good. So I absolutely think that if you were going to get it, you had to get it today because it's going to get more difficult tomorrow. And certainly by the weekend, it's going to firm up and get much faster. So this could be something where, you know, eight under leads on Thursday and six under leads on Friday and four under ends up winning this golf tournament. But at the same time, there is this element of the unknown course. The the USGA, when they're setting it up, they're not sure exactly how they want to how they want to go with it, and, and it's shades of Aaron Hills back when Brooks Kepka won in 2017 where the scores were just a lot lower than people thought they would be because they maybe went a little bit more conservative on how they set up the course early in the week. You know, Will, I, I know this is probably a ridiculous question, but, you know, when, you, when you're playing on these courses, you know, how much does air quality and things like that play into all of this? I mean, we know about, you know, kind of the, the you know, the fog and the haze at times in L.A. and all that stuff, but – you know, does, does that factor into, you know, how you approach and play some of these courses in, in California? Maybe Bryson has an air quality index guy with him on the range. I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I think that the biggest, the biggest factor for golfers that they certainly take into account are, are twofold. One is altitude and, and the other is humidity because those are going to affect how far the ball is going to travel in the air. So, so those are definitely, you know, when you go up in Colorado and, and you're, you're hitting the ball a lot further than you'd expect or, you know, when you're playing in, in Florida or Texas when it's really hot, sometimes the ball, you know, that changes things. I don't know that the air quality is going to be something that they factor, 
but it is, you know, an element of, of these guys, you know, on these cool mornings, the ball is going to go a lot uh, shorter than it is if they play in the afternoon when the, you know, the marine layer burns off and the sun is warm and the temperature is 80 degrees at, at tee off as opposed to maybe 60 or 65. So those are definitely some factors that guys are considering. And, and the thought is that hopefully it balances out across the end of the week that, you know, you have one early tee time, you have one late tee time, and then you sort out the rest over the weekend. Is there anything to read into this leaderboard where, you know, it's a very top-heavy American leaderboard. Like, there's not very many international players. I mean, Rory's in fourth place, uh, Siwoo Kim and uh, Paul, uh, was it, Barjan, uh, you know, tied for seventh. There's not very many foreign players in this. Is that just lack of exposure? Is there anything to read into this? I mean, you know, what, what makes this tournament so far so top-heavy with Americans? Uh, I mean, I think, first of all, it's a numbers game. You've got a lot more Americans and a lot more Americans in the top 10, top 20, top 30 in the world rankings that then can play well. You know, Rory getting off to a strong start isn't a huge surprise. I think Victor Hovland from Norway was someone that a lot of people had circled uh, as a potential contender, and he was a little slow out of the gates, although he did rebound later in his round. So, you know, it, it helps when the numbers are on your side and you've got a lot more uh, potential uh, candidates who, who could really play well and get up on the leaderboard. But maybe there is something to be said for, especially early this morning, it was the California vibe, right? A lot of the guys that were from the West Coast that know how to play these greens and this, these types of grasses, and maybe they've seen the course, either like Scotty Scheffler has played this course in the Walker Cup six years, years ago. Max Homa was a very popular pick uh, early in the week because he shot a 61 at this course uh, for a course record back in 2013 when he was at Cal playing in the Pac-12 championship. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of course experience to go around, but the players that do know this course a little bit more than most are usually going to be the Americans. Will Gray joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline as he uh, oversees golf bet for the PGA Tour. So give me a couple of names. I know you you do the betting thing and, and you get involved in that. A couple of guys that are that have big odds that could really make some noise over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think that – Ricky Fowler was someone that was absolutely on the on the short list. I mean, those odds have dwindled significantly uh, in the last 12 hours as he shot that 62 and then was quickly matched by by Xander Shoffley. But it, it's it's funny when you have a dynamic like this where you have two guys that are out and they're out so far ahead of the of the pack that you think essentially that that they're probably going to drift back a little bit. So I think anyone in there at, at even par or anything in red numbers, you're going to be in good shape. But you know that's that's kind of how we're we're engineered to think about a U.S. Open is anytime you're under par, you're probably doing okay. So I think some, that this is a chance to get, uh, you know, some of those guys, like I said, Victor Hovland was someone that, that started slowly and his odds are certainly much higher right now than they were at the start of the tournament. So if you're there and, and you feel like you're one under and, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm trailing by seven shots, there's a lot of golf still to play. And uh, I certainly think that the, the winning score, there's a good chance the winning score is less than the eight under par mark that they're currently sitting at. Do you think with uh, without a Tiger Woods in a tournament like this that the uniqueness of the course and it's a course that we never see and things like that, do you think that that can drive some TV numbers? Do you think that TV numbers can can maybe not approach Tiger kinds of levels, but you know certainly you know the the I guess unique factor about this course can that be something that drives TV numbers? I think that the unique factor of a course in Los Angeles will drive TV numbers more than the unique factor of a course in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I think that right. there's a big, a big piece of this is just the primetime viewing and the fact that for an East Coast audience, you're going to be playing until 11 o'clock p.m. You know, the next three days, the Saturday night 
third round. The, the leaders are going to tee off at probably 5 o'clock Eastern. So, uh, you know, anytime you have a chance, especially with the sports calendar, being at a little bit of a, of a low point, you've already got the Stanley Cup Finals wrapped up, the NBA Finals take center stage this week, uh, and you're going to have an opportunity for some, some primetime viewing hours, which as a, as a fan, I think that's great. And certainly from a, a television executive side, that's probably good. And that's, there's no coincidence that they continue to bounce back and forth when you look at these U.S. Open venues over the last five or six years. It goes New York, you know, West Coast, Boston, West Coast. They're trying to, to capitalize on some of these big markets. And the opportunity to have a primetime audience like this in the middle of the summer is one that they don't want to pass up too often. Okay, well, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you some of the, the things that have gone on since we've last chatted. Um, obviously, as the PGA and Live and everybody's you know coming together in some kumbaya kinds of moments, I think one of the things that I was most fascinated by is Jay Monahan talking about and kind of admitting about how contentious these meetings were when players and talked through it that, I mean, he talked about it being heated and, you know, wasn't, you know, warm and fuzzy that, you know, again, I, I, I guess I didn't expect that from the commissioner to kind of be that brutally honest about, you know, the reaction from players that, you know, it would have been a more kind of positive spin on everything, but I'll give him credit. I mean, he was brutally honest about what was really going on and that it was very contentious when they met with these guys about forming all of this together. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that, you know, he was certainly being as transparent as he could in the moment. I think mm -hmm. there were there were definitely some contentious moments and some contentious thoughts. You know, I think that right now the issue is whether you're, you know, a, a PGA Tour player or a PGA Tour employee or just a golf fan, you get more questions than answers about what this whole thing is going to look like. And it's going to take not only weeks but several months for this to to kind of come to fruition for people to understand the, the, the specifics behind the framework that was announced last week. And then, you know, you've got to have uh, – it's got to be voted by the policy board on the, on the PGA Tour side. It's probably going to have to get passed by the Department of Justice on the federal side. So uh, there are more hoops and obstacles to this thing than I care to count. Uh, and so right now, uh, I, I love the fact that we have a chance to put the focus back on the golf and have a great tournament this week uh, at LACC. But you're right. I mean, I, I think that – a lot of people were caught off guard, and, and I think that that's understandable then to kind of react in that way when you have such monumental news. I mean, that was a that was a where were you moment in the world of golf, no matter where you you know where you stand in the game. And and from there, we're gonna have to see how those pieces come together. Is the best thing for the sport the best thing for the sport? Is it to go away as quickly as possible and get some kind of resolution to what's going to be the future of golf? Because that's I mean, look. It is a dividing line in the sand for some people. And obviously, you know, there are all kinds of rulings about, okay, if you, if you were offered this money, you can get the. I mean, there's a lot of things. I know that they're trying to work out with all of this, but is the best thing for the health of the sport of golf to finally just get the live tournament behind us in the rearview mirror and start focusing on whatever the PGA Tour is going to become? Yeah, I mean, I think regardless of, of which side you're on in this, discussion or battle or however you want to frame it the the best end result is to have the the best players in the world playing together more than four times a year right uh, i i think that the fractured landscape over the last year and a half or two years has been difficult and it's been one that it's it's the biggest losses for the the fan and the viewer right because now all of a sudden you don't know where you're where to turn or which tournament to watch or maybe you, you know the field is, has 70 percent or 80 percent of the guys that you're used to and, and so I, I think that that's why it's an opportunity to celebrate these weeks like the U.S. Open and these majors where, yes, you have 
you know, Bryson and DJ and Phil and Kepka alongside all of the PGA Tour guys. But I think that, that long-term, the, the best end result for players, for tournament organizers, for fans, whatever, is to have all of those guys playing the same schedule week in and week out. Well, listen, at the end of the day, Will, all I hope is that you get some of that live money. I uh, hope you get some of that Saudi money because you always do a great job with us here, and we always appreciate it. You can check him out. Uh, he is uh, overseeing Golf Bet uh, for the PGA Tour. He's on Twitter at Will Gray Golf Bet, and he joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Will, as always, man, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks so much for the time uh, tonight, and we always look forward to chatting with you. Oh, good, John. Thanks. Good to be with you, as always. You got it. Chuck Green, the Key Studios. Sports Radio 929 the game, the app. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.